We are um, starting another series. We started another series last week called Mission Training, or actually it's called um, Mission Control. And um, it is about focusing on our mission, purpose, vision statement that we have. Well, you guys should, like pack a few Sunday, Rick. You did really well. I'm just seeing you over here. That's pretty good. Um, but uh, we... Um, Every year, we take a little bit of time to go back over what our mission statement is, our purpose and vision, and uh, to kind of get everything zeroed in and, and making sure we're focusing on what is important. Because if we don't stay focused on our mission, then we kind of tend to veer off path and, and start uh, getting involved in other things that get us away from the direction we know God has put us in. And that mission, vision, purpose statement is very simple. It's uh, that we live for Christ to learn his ways so that we might love the world as he does and lead others to him. Um, so we, we remember these four words, live, learn, love, and lead. And last week we talked about living for Christ, and today we're talking about learning. And the, the title of the sermon is called Mission Training. And uh, it made me think of it. I saw a preview for a movie that's uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary. I think that's right. Yep, 50th anniversary of the moonwalk. Um, and I know that because that means I will be 50 at that time because I was, uh, I was not yet one when the uh, uh, moonwalk occurred. But uh, the, uh, uh, and, and celebrating the life of uh, John Glenn, I think the movie's called First Man, something like that. Uh, and it looked really good. But looking back in the Apollo mission, I was always fascinated by the Apollo missions and, and, and our, our trips to the moon and so forth. And we've never been back uh, since those missions. The, um, the training that went into preparing people to do something that had not been done was just amazing to me. And I, I grabbed this picture. This is them practicing to walk on the moon. Can you imagine practicing to walk on the moon? I mean, all you have is what we have here, walking on earth, pretending like it's the moon and guessing that it's going to be similar to that type thing. And, and yet they, they did it. And it, unless you're my mother-in-law and don't believe they actually did, uh, but it was all it was all fake. If you're that conspiracy person, well, okay. But uh, but they but they did it for all practical purposes. And and when you think about the the type of vision you have to have to to think of going somewhere we've not been to doing something we've never done and all the equipment that that goes into that. I was, uh, this is a little bit off from that, but I was watching a documentary on the Voyager. I don't remember, the, you remember the Voyager spacecraft was a thing we created to go and, and take pictures of the planets and so forth. It's the first spacecraft to leave our solar system and go out into the unknown uh, galaxy. The technology on the Voyager spacecraft is the same technology that you have in your pocket. And I'm not talking about your iPhone. I'm talking about your key fob. That's, that's how much technology is in the Voyager spacecraft that we've now got going into another galaxy. That's how far things have come to now. Uh, but just because of people thinking ahead to things that nobody had ever seen before. But in order to do those things... They had to be prepared, they had to be focused, they had to be disciplined, they had to, to keep their eyes on what they were trying, where they were trying to get to. And this is the issue with the church today, 
is, is we, we have missions and we have purpose statements and we have all these visions. But if the church itself or the people within the church aren't actually trying to get there, don't have a desire to be there, if they're thinking it's some nebulous, somebody's going to do it, uh, then those missions are never accomplished. Southern Baptist had a, what we called a bold mission thrust. And we were going to reach the entire world with the gospel by the year 2000. I don't know if you are aware, it's 2018, and we have not reached the entire world with the gospel. So what went wrong? Well, saying we're going to reach the world and then actually doing what is necessary to reach the world are two very different things. Our missions giving would have had to be twice what it is. Our missionaries would have to be twice what they are. There are more churches in the city of Louisville than there are missionaries in the 1040 window. Uh, reaching over a billion, there are like over two billion people who have never heard of Jesus. Not much less the gospel. Never heard of Jesus. And uh, in that in that window, the, the 1040 window is 10 degrees latitude to 40 degrees latitude. If you take a band and go across the earth on that on the other side of the world, uh, in that band, uh, you have people who have never heard the gospel. And and so. Uh, what, what happened is it was much, it cost a lot more, more than we thought it would cost. I remember sitting in a missions class one time and they were saying to our professor said, you know, uh, nobody, the gospel has never been advanced, seriously advanced beyond its uh, current state until people were willing to die. And he said, that means that the training that you all are receiving, some people in this classroom are going to have to die in order for the gospel to be advanced. Well, that's not a real encouraging, inspirational statement for the class. You know? And it's like, uh, I think I'm going to switch uh, to majors. And so, uh, but, the, but that's the thing. And, and so we all sit around thinking somebody else is going to do that. But in reality, it is us. It's you. You're the one who has to say, okay, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. I'm going to be the one to, to do what is necessary. And if you decide you're going to do what's necessary, then you have to be trained. You have to learn what it is that God needs you to learn in order to take that knowledge, that information, and go elsewhere. That uh, people, the idea that uh, people have been able to accomplish the mission for Christ without being trained or taught is is just folly because. Uh, all the apostles were taught, Paul was taught, uh, all these people were trained, prepared, and equipped, and then sent out. And so that's, uh, that's, what, that's what we're going to focus on today is about how important it is for us to learn. And the, and the passages of Scripture we're going to look at, we're in the same passage, this entire, entire series, and it's in First Thessalonians chapter 4. The whole passage is 1 through 12, but today we're going to focus specifically on verses 1 and 2 and 9 through 12. And... Um, and the um, version I'm looking at is New Living Translation just because it was very easy to understand what he's trying to say here in that. So if you get a different translation, just kind of follow along. Verses one, verse 1 says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more, for you remember what we taught you by the authority 
of the Lord Jesus. And then verse 9, he says, But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. Pray with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I, I pray this morning, Lord, as we, as we look at what you're telling us through the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, Father, under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray that we will get from this, Lord, that you have so much for us to get to know. And, Lord, I know we all have lives. We all have things we have to do, and, and we're busy, and we've got... But, Lord, remind us of why we're here. Remind us of why you put us here, and, and help us to get focused on that today. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we, we talk about training for the mission and getting ready to do what God wants us to do, the first thing I think we have to learn is we have to learn why. I don't know if your parents ever told you this when you asked the question, why? Why do I have to do this? Why do we have to go there? Why do we have to eat this? And you got these words, because I said so. That's why. And, uh, and that's, that, that seemed to be uh, all I got. It was never, ever, ever satisfactory to get that answer. And the only reason you would continue to do it anyway, the only reason why I would continue to do is because I feared the person who was saying because I said so, because I thought, well, if they said so, then I don't have a choice. And so I've got to do it. I've got to do it. So when someone says because I said so, the only way that works is if that person has some type of power or authority over you. If that person has some ability to sway you to do what you want, otherwise you're just going to say, well, I don't care. Who are you to say so? You know, I never, ever uttered those words to my father ever in my life or my mother, for that matter. I never said, well, who are you to tell me what to do? And that never happened. Still doesn't happen. But uh, I, I may have thought it a couple of times. I may have thought, well, who are you? Who are you to tell me this? Well, this is the response that we have toward God, whether we think about it or not. Every time we come and hear his word, every time you open up the Bible and you read the words and God says, and you see, thus saith the Lord, when you don't do what those words say, you're really in essence saying, well, who are you really to tell me that this is what I have to do? I mean, because we're really saying, why? Why do we have to do it that way? Why do we have to do it? God's way. Why you know, read through the Ten Commandments? Why? Why do we have to not do this? Why do we have to tell the truth? Why do we have to be honest about this? Why do we have to live a life of integrity? Why do I have to be morally responsible? Why do I have to watch what I look at? Why do I have to watch what I eat? Why do I have to watch what I say? Why? And and to really understand that why is to is to really ask a huge question. That is, who who is God? Who is he and how does he relate to my life and, and how, you know, what's, what is he all about? Is he real? And people begin to ask questions like that. I mean, and those aren't bad questions. You know, there are a lot of people who grew up in church who, uh, there's a lot of people not going to church today. There's a lot of people who are not following Christ today, who grew up in church, who went to Sunday school, who were taught about God, but they never really believed it. 
They really believe that God is real. And when they ask questions like why, and you say because I said so, and they didn't get explained who God was and didn't get a satisfactory answer for that, they grew up saying, no, I don't think so. You know, this is a lot to ask of someone who I, I don't even know if they are real. And, you know, the, sadly, the response of many of us as adults and, and, and many of, of leaders in the church over the years, the response has been, uh, well, you just need to do it. You just need to believe it. And we didn't take time to teach people, to train them as to who God is. When actually he commanded us to teach people who he is and to train people in what he's about. And, and he, when Jesus told his disciples to love one another as I have loved you... He's basically, he was giving them a blueprint for saying, this is how you're going to. And, and he said, they will know you are followers of Christ by my love. And they will know that I am real because of your love for one another. And so basically he's saying, if you want people to know that I'm real, then you just simply have to do what I told you to do. Well, the irony is, is that the peak. People we're telling them, when we tell young people, you need to go to church and you need to study the Bible and you need to be in Sunday school and you need to be doing this and you need to be there. And they don't do it. The reason they're not doing it is because we're not doing what God has commanded us to do. And, that, and that's extremely convicting to me. I don't know how it is for you. But, but that, that, is, uh, that is the reason why generation after generation, fewer people follow God. When the Islamic um, empire spreading, and still spreading, was spreading across the Middle East, they would go into countries. The nation of Egypt used to be uh, 90% Christian, 90% Christian, and now it is less than 5% Christian. That means it's, over, it's almost 95% Muslim. Now, how did it get to there? Well, when they, when they were making their marches through these countries, they built mosques that nobody went to. They just built buildings, and they still do this. They do this in Africa. Uh, they go in, they build mosques, and they don't even have anybody who goes to those mosques. And then uh, they take over the government. Take over the government, and then they make a policy that says, okay, you, you can be Christian, but you have to pay taxes to be Christian. If you're Muslim, you don't have to pay taxes. But if you're Christian, you have to pay taxes. And generation after generation, people were paying this heavy imposed tax. And they were like, why are we paying this tax? I don't even like going to church. Why am I paying a tax just to say that I'm Christian? And so they would convert to Islam just so they wouldn't have to pay the tax. That's how simple it was. In over hundreds, a few hundred years, it shifted. Because nobody was teaching anybody why. Why we follow Christ. Why we believe in God. Why it's important to do what God has commanded us to do. And, uh, and this is what churches, uh, this is what Paul, Paul says this in, in his for couple, first couple of verses of the church at Thessalonica. He says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. He says, we've taught you how to live in a way that pleases God. And he says, you live this way already. And we encourage you to do so even more. Because he says, if you st- if, if, he, Paul knows if you stop doing this, if you stop living in a way that pleases God, then you will stop real understanding why you live for God. You see, it's, it's as we obey him, as we follow him, it, God reveals to us, shows us why we do this. It's, it's the same in our human relationships. It's the same in all relationships. When I... When I get away from 
if I, if I take time away from my wife and, and I'm not talking to her and not relating to her and so forth, soon I'm going to forget why I'm even married to her in the first place. But it's through our daily interactions, it's through our time together, it's through our, our relationship that we realize how great the relationship is and why we continue on in that relationship. And he says, for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And that is the key. Here is that word authority. We taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Here is the the absolute most important thing we have to do in teaching other people about who Jesus is. Is we have to teach them based on his authority, on who he is, that he is God. You take Jesus away from being God, and then once you have to save, really isn't that important. And that's that's what's happened a lot, is we've demoted Jesus. We demoted Jesus. Now, think of it like this. If I, first of all, if I say Jesus is king, master of the universe, God over everything, and then I read Jesus says this, and I say, eh, I'll, I'll do this part, but I'm not going to do this part. Well, then I've just said to everybody who's watching, he's not my king. He's not my king because I look at what Jesus says, and I decide what I want to do. So he's not the authority over my life. Thomas Jefferson, when he uh, took the Bible, he was what we call a deist. He wasn't a believer in, in Jesus. And he took the Bible and he cut out the portions of the Bible that didn't match up with his own theology. So he had his own version of the Bible. And that's how he lived life. But he wasn't a follower of Christ. You can't cut the words of Christ out. <laughs> You can't decide what Jesus wants us to do and what he doesn't want us to do based on what we want. Then we're God, if that's the case. I'm the master. I am the Lord. We have to look and see what he tells us, and we do it based on his authority. Because he is, and this is kind of how we back it up real quick. Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he rose from the dead. Hundreds of people witnessed him rising from the dead. They witnessed him in his resurrection state. They saw him die, saw him killed in front of people, beaten nearly to death, hung on a cross, died in front of everybody, stuck him with a sword to make sure he was dead, took him off and buried him. And on the third day, he came back to life and Over 500 people witnessed him alive and watched him go into heaven, ascend into heaven, and then testified to that, testified to that, and circulated this message out to people throughout the world, uncontested by the people who were there. Now, I believe that's true based on the testimony of those witnesses, based on the testimony of his word. And because I believe Jesus rose from, the, rose from the dead, I believe what Jesus says is true. So when I read what Jesus tells me, he, he affirms the Old Testament is true. So I believe the Old Testament. And the Old Testament tells me that God created the world. In fact, John says that Jesus, who is God, that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all present at the creation of the world, that they existed uncreated and created the world. So he is my creator. 
He is my creator. He is the one who designed me. He is the one who made me. He is the one who gives me purpose. And so based on his authority, and I believe he has authority because he created me. He is God. So he has authority over me because he made me, designed me, purposed me, gives me life, sustains my life. That he's the authority over me. So I do what he tells me. I live the life he designed me to live. But... Before I can do that, I have to know that he is my creator and my designer. So it's the first thing you have to learn is you have to learn who your creator designer is. You have to learn who your creator designer is. Now, I guess if you don't have one, if you don't believe you have one, if you believe you're here by accident, then you live an accidental life and and then that's all you got. And that's what the world's doing. They just eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. We make the best of it because who cares? You know, it, if you're a philosophy person, it doesn't go down a very good path if you don't believe there's a creator. Everything gets really dark really fast. But I believe there is a creator. I believe there is a designer. I'm, I believe there was a creator who sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross, rise from the dead, demonstrate the power of God to men, so that we might believe that God is real. And I believe God is real. And because I believe he is real, he is the authority of my life. And so when he says, this is what I want you to do, this is what I do. Before I can get around what I need to do, I need to learn who I need to be. So we learn, we learn why, and then we also need to be learning who to be. So, so when we think about the mission, the training we receive in church and the training I need to be going. You need to learn who your creator is. That's the first thing. If you don't know who God is, if you don't know who Jesus is, you don't understand who he is and how all that. You need to learn that. It's very important because you can't teach other people who Jesus is if you don't know who he is. So you need to be learning who he is. But you also need to be learning who you need to be. Who you need to be in light of the fact of who Jesus is. Now, uh, we talk about uh, when I was a kid. I love to pretend to be an astronaut. I don't know if you were people who love to be astronauts. We used to take, um, we had a wagon and we had tennis rackets and we took the tennis rackets in the wagon, figuring out the physics of aerodynamics, believing that if we could get that wagon going fast enough, if we could get it off the ground and be airborne. And it was just a few other tools in my dad's garage away from rocket propulsion and we were going to be going to the moon that was we were we were advanced for our age and so uh we just couldn't find the right tennis rackets for some reason it just never worked but we had this idea we had this dream of who we wanted to be i wanted to be i I kept this dream all the way up until my junior year in high school i was going to go to space i was going to be an astronaut and i was going to do it through aerospace engineering i consider myself a very bright person and so i was going to be an aerospace engineer and my guidance counselor said well you need to take trigonometry so i took trigonometry and then i decided i wanted to be a journalist uh, so, uh, so I said, I'm not going to do anything that requires trigonometry. Uh, so I'm out. Uh, so here I am today, not in space, but the, uh, uh, because journalism, I thought maybe journalism would get me there, but it hadn't worked so far. But the, uh, the thing is, is we can have an idea of what we want to be, but it has to be who God wants us to be. And we need to learn who we are supposed to be. 
who we are supposed to be. Learning who we're supposed to be dictates, governs, guides the training and equipping we receive. And see, a lot of times we go out and we get trained and equipped to do things that God doesn't have any desire for us to do. I know a guy, I know a guy who has a, a degree in electrical engineering and God called him into ministry after he finished his degree, master's degree in electrical engineering. Guess how much electrical engineering he does? None. <laughs> he does none. He is a pastor. <laughs> so uh, with an electrical engineering degree, very impressive. Went to Purdue, a very nice degree, but uh, uses it none. And that's because he didn't know who he was supposed to be when he was going to get his degree. We have to not just think about, not just pretend We have to know. Here's the thing that's going on in the church today, though. A lot of people are not even pretending to be who they're supposed to be. We're not even thinking about who God wants us to be. All we think about is who we want us to be, who we desire to be, what we want to do, and not what God wants us to do. And this this is a battle. This is a battle that takes place inside all of us because God has this dream. Desire. He designed you to be a certain way. He designed you to, do, to, to, to be a particular person. I mean, just like, just like your watch, my watch, my nice little Apple watch that I have on my wrist that is designed to do so many different things. But it had a designer and it had a purpose and there was a vision and there was a mission for that. And it does what it's supposed to do. And that's the way you and I are. We have a creator who designed us to be a particular thing, and we just need to learn who we need to be. Look at what it says in verses 10 or 9 and 11, 9 and 10. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. Paul says, I don't need to tell you that you need to love for He says, for God himself has taught you to love one another. He's saying that God has made you this way. God just... Your relationship with God, God has put within you, by making you in his image, the desire to love. He says, indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. He said, we want you to do what you were made to do even more. We want you to be who you were made to be even more more you were designed to love other people as jesus has loved you now how that love is manifested is different for everybody and so here's what you need to do you need to learn how you were designed learn how you were designed so We've already spent, we need to spend time learning who our creator is. And once we learn who our creator is, we need to learn how that creator has designed us. How he has made me, how he has fashioned me. Now, we, we have a lot of different ways that we do that. We, we use a shape seminar here and, and, uh, and a variety of different things we've done on Wednesday nights that, that kind of discover our, our, the shape seminar is basically you discover your spiritual gifts, you discover what your passion is, which is your heart, you discover your abilities, your personality, your experiences. All those things are so important in making you who you are. God gives you all those things. He, he, the spiritual gifts are things that he gives to you because uh, through when you become a Christian, and when you become a follower of Christ and he puts his Holy Spirit in you, as the Holy Spirit manifests himself in your life, certain gifts of the Spirit 
make themselves aware in your life. You need to know what those are. And we help you. That's part of the learning process. That's why you go to Bible studies and join small groups and and go to Wednesday night Bible studies and all these different things and, and study on your own and, and whatever. However you can, however you decide to learn, uh, is, there's so many different options. But you need to be learning, and you need to be learning what your spiritual gifts are, what your passion is, and sometimes that can be done just by. Spending time with somebody who knows you, saying, what do you think I'm passionate about? Just exam- just having somebody and yourself look at your life and examine it. What are the things I most... You, you do certain things because you really like doing them. And you just naturally gravitate that. Nobody has to tell you to do those things. You just like doing them. That's your passion. God made you that way. And you have abilities. You have skills. You might say, I'm not good at this. I can't do that. But other people are like, no, you do that. And you do that very well. Sometimes we don't like to do it because we want to be we want to do things that are more difficult or, or challenging. But but we need to look at things that we do well naturally, the abilities that God gave us, and then our personality. You you're either introvert, extrovert, or you you like hanging around people, or don't like you like talking to people, or you don't like talking to people. But whatever it is, God will use your personality type to do what He wants to do, and also your experiences. What has He already been doing in your life? Even before you were saved, the things that God was taking you through in your life, God was still overseeing your life even before you became a follower of Jesus. God oversees the whole world, everything. Nothing gets by Him. And He allowed you to go through certain experiences because He wanted you to have those experiences. He wanted you to have those hurts. He wanted you to have that pain. He wanted you to go through that time of sorrow, that time of joy. Whatever it was he took you through, you went through it because he's going to use it for the glory of his kingdom. And so you need to look at those things and examine those things and learn who you were made to be, how you were designed. And lastly, we need to learn what to do. So once we learn who our creator is and who we are meant to be now, what do we do? How does it actually, what's the practical application of it all? What is, how do we actually put it into practice? Because I can be called to be a pastor, and I'm called to be a pastor, and, and have this role as a pastor, but, but actually being here, doing this, this is a specific way to manifest that role. This can be done a lot of different ways. This is why I do it here, doing this, what we're doing right now. And you also have something specific that God wants you to do. Look in these last verses. He says in verse 11, make it your goal... To live a quiet life. My, well, let me back up a second. I forgot about that picture. Go back. Ah, the Amish. How could I forget that? You know, something that I love about the Amish people is we all talk about who knows what they're doing here. It's a barn raising. They're more famous for barn raising, I think, than any other thing that the Amish people do. And, uh, and yet... We know so little about the Amish, unless you were, I don't know how many Amish people we have here, or former Amish, uh, we have reformed Amish or whatever, but uh, been to Amish communities, buy their vegetables, get their bread and stuff like that, love going, everybody loves the Amish, they're just fun, I mean, it's just, there's something fascinating about them. The fact that they don't drive cars or have moving engines, they can have an engine as long as it's stationary, but they can't drive vehicles and so forth. So they ride horses and they, they build barns. And they are known for building barns super fast and, uh, and very efficiently. And so here they are. This is a barn raising. But here's, let me read this passage to you. And I tell you, when I read this passage, these are the people that 
absolutely first people that came to mind. Look at what it says in verse 11. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Now, if you just took those two verses, it feels like Paul's telling all of us we should be Amish. And it, here's the, but here's a sad truth. Have you ever heard of a Baptist barn raising? Nope. <laughs> we need to get better at this. We need to get better at this. I'm not saying we all need to be Amish. Obviously, that's not the road I'm going down. But we do need to understand that they do this, these two verses, better than we do. Better than we do. It's kind of like when I talk about the Mormon community. The Mormon community and their mission strategy is better than ours. Now, I'm not pushing Mormonism in any way, form, or fashion. I'm just saying they do what we're supposed to be doing better than we do. The world does a lot of things better than we do. Even going back to the space mission, if we had as much passion to get the gospel to the world as our nation had to get to space, we would have already reached the world. But we don't have that kind of passion. We don't have that kind of fervor. We, we have to make it our goal, make it our goal to live life the way God has asked us to live. Notice what he says, live quiet lives. We are not trying to change the world apart from the gospel. Now hear that. We're not trying to change the world apart from the gospel. The church spends too much energy on other things other than the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that matters for the eternity of mankind. We're not trying to fix the deck chairs on the Titanic. We're trying to get people off the boat. We're trying to get people to understand they need to be rescued. They need to be saved. And in order to do that, in order to do that well, we have to, be, we have to understand the purpose of our design. We need to learn the purpose of our design and how to fulfill it. And how to fulfill it. That means we need to know that God made us this way so that we could reach the world for Christ. He's given you the job you have, the gifts you have, the experience you have, the personality you have, the abilities you have, the spiritual gifts you have, all these things you have. You are where you are supposed to be right now. Oswald Chambers says, you may think you're of no use where you are, but you're certainly of no use where you're not. You are where you're supposed to be. If he needs you to be somewhere else, he'll move you there. But while you're where you are, you need to be engaged in the mission that he put you. Do what you were designed to do. And that is to love other people as Jesus has loved you. That's next week's message. So I won't dwell on it all right now. In case you're not coming back, I thought I'd tip you off a little bit. But you need to learn this and, and how to do it. This is why we, and if you, if, when people come to me and say, I just don't think I'm learning anything in my Sunday school, then we start a new class. We find a way to accomplish it. Because that's what God put us here to do. 
But here's, here's all you need to do today because not, we're not going to build Rome today. We need to just make a commitment today. That's what we want to do. We want to make a commitment to Christ today. Make a commitment to Christ today to learn who he is, his mission for you, and how to fulfill it. We want to just, that's all, that's all this invitation is. It's an invitation to make a commitment to learn who he is. Now, if you've never made a commitment to follow Christ, you can understand that by making a commitment to follow Christ, by saying, Jesus, I have a desire to follow you, by believing that he died on the cross for your sins, he rose from the dead, by, putting your, by believing that in faith and asking him to be Lord of your life, that he will, if you were, didn't believe that before, you were lost. If you do believe that today, you will be saved. He will save you because of your faith. He will put his Holy Spirit in you and empower you to do what he's called you to do. If you've already done that, then you need to get on track. You get back into the mission training. Mission hasn't changed. He's still trying to redeem this world and he's still trying to use us to do it. He's calling us to be a part of his redemption plan. He wants to use each of us in this room. You know, something I learned a long time ago is... I don't, uh, when, when there's soccer games on the weekend or whatever, we have these weekend things. I used to think we need to get, keep our people from going to these soccer things and get them back in church on Sunday. And then I realized there's a much greater mission field <laughs> at the soccer game than there is here. So if God has you on some, in some forsaken place of the planet going to soccer games on a Sunday, you know, I learned... Rather than trying to get you to get your kids to hate you for pulling them from that tournament. To put you on mission for God. And say, if you're going to be there, be on mission. Be on mission for God. Be his ambassador. Be his witness. Use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. And if we looked at that, every opportunity we have like that, not as people are out of church or ungodly, people who are in church are godly, but if, because you can be in church and ungodly and you can be out of church and godly, but it's about being wherever we are on mission for him. And you come here to get the training you need and you go out there to use the training. It starts here with a commitment. Yes, that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be on mission for God and I'm going to learn everything I need to do in order to accomplish that. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your love and for your grace. And Lord, just pray today that we would be your people. Lord, knowing who you are, who you designed us to be, and what you've called us to do, that we would learn these things, that we'd be committed to learning these things. Father, so we might go out and love the world the way you do and lead other people to you. Father, this is so important. If we miss this part, we can't fulfill the mission. We have to be trained. We have to be equipped. So, Lord, may we make the commitment today that we will get the training that we need in order to be your people on mission wherever you would have us to be. But we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.